Welcome, listeners, to the ACEC Kansas podcast series, The QBS Express. I'm your host, Scott Heidner, the Executive Director for ACEC Kansas, and I am delighted today to have as my guests Secretary of the Kansas Department of Transportation, Julie Lorenz, and Director of Aviation for that same Department of Transportation, Bob Brock. And our topic today is the supersonic test corridor. Uh, Most of you probably already know that Kansas has been awarded this program. Um, It's a great opportunity for Kansans and Kansas businesses, and we're going to explore today exactly what the program looks like, um, the history of how it came here and what it means to to Kansans and Kansas businesses, and uh, what it might set us up for moving forward as well. So thanks to both of you for joining us here today, and uh, look forward to getting some more details about this exciting project. I might start with uh, the first obvious question, supersonic test corridor. What does that really mean? What is that? Absolutely, and thanks for having us, Scott. We have got such a neat opportunity in Kansas to do flight test. It's a fairly unique part of the country with respect to the aviation world because we have so much engineering expertise resident right here in the state and we build so many aircraft anyway it's part of our dna as a state Um, and with all that expertise so close by and so robust it's a shame to not be able to leverage that for brand new technologies like supersonic aircraft so today we do flight test for supersonic aircraft over the ocean there are no states in the country today that own the allow, well the states don't have an option, but the FAA will grant approvals to do supersonic tests only over the ocean and now only over Kansas. So that flight test corridor, the purpose of it is to allow people that are non-military, commercial aviation producers, manufacturers like our guys across the state, um, to start being able to venture into this next generation of commercial jet and you activity mentioned, and uh, building those new the military a second ago my impression is that while some of the technologies that are developed who knows where those will end up being beneficial but the program itself is civilian flight yeah very much so yes the the military would be allowed to use it but really our intent they have plenty of places to go do flight test our focus here because kansas is such a place that builds commercial and business jets right now we build 52 airlines in kansas the fuselage every single month that's a ton of workforce and a ton of resources coming into the state so we really need to be going into those things that are the next thing Mm -hmm. that's going to come after the 737 and the 787 so tell me the corridor stretches from where to where If you draw it roughly, this is a, a you know big hand, you know, big hand, small map kind of a, a deal. If you go over towards Pittsburgh on the southeast side, stretch around south. Wichita like a giant racetrack or a rubber band to okay, straight west. It's along the southern third of the state. Oh, all the yes, way around. Yes, it goes around okay, Wichita gotcha. like a great big rubber band. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, and so it stays away from the populated areas and then stretches out to Garden City. 
and uh, and down by Ulysses and Sublette and that kind of an area. So it's it's largely rural, and it's largely uh, oriented to be able to be supported cool. out of multiple um, airports across the state. So if you had to give the elevator speech, if somebody came to you and said, you know, this is obviously a big undertaking, a lot of resources are going into this, what are the tangible uh, products and benefits that we anticipate are going to come out of the of this corridor? What would what would you say? A hundred percent of the whole intent is economic development so that Kansas stays as the preeminent manufacturer of airplanes on the planet. That's the real issue at hand is we literally have a $20.6 billion industry here in Kansas. A little over 91,000 people build airplanes in Kansas. The next generation of airplane that's coming down the line is going to be supersonic. It's going to be a great test. There's going to be four or five flavors of aircraft that will need to be built somewhere. <laughs> and we really need those to not be built overseas. And we especially want them to be right so here in Kansas state, where we already have So a great economic development opportunity. Um, but beyond that, and a little more holistically, I assume we're going to be improving and discovering technologies that will be implemented by, yeah, globally by anybody and everybody. Globally. Yeah, and Scott, what I'd like to uh, focus on here is sort of the importance of a culture of innovation and allowing uh, the private sector to test and improve, right? Because you never get everything 100% right the first time. So we have to have an open state and invite folks in to test their new products and their new approaches in a safe way. Absolutely. And I want Bob to be sure to talk about, you know, all the permitting that's going to take place through the FAA. But we want to have wide open arms for new industry and new innovation. And we have to have that kind of culture. And whether whether it's in Wichita with the great workforce they already have or trying to recruit new businesses, at the end of the day, it is about culture and making sure that we have a wide well, how did, environment. Um, what was the first time that you can recall this coming to the attention of Kansas leadership uh, that this program might be in the works and that we might have an opportunity to compete for? It really wasn't the contest. Um, we made it ourselves. This came out of our office. And as we looked at the industry and we work with our industry leaders in not only in Wichita and, and the other places in Kansas that manufacture components and all that, but at the national level. You know, uh, Secretary Lorenz, I don't know if you know about this, Secretary Lorenz is actually the chairman of the Council of Aviation mm -hmm. for AASHTO, the highway transportation. And in that leadership role, she has had a tremendous opportunity to have a, a greater perspective on the industry and where are we going in transportation. And so as we look at things like, what's the future look like? And how do we future-proof Kansas so that when these enormous industries, here's a tremendous good number for your, you know, you're an engineer, you appreciate numbers like I do. As you look at brand new industries, this particular, air, there's one manufacturer called Arion Corporation that builds a wonderful airplane that is already has pre-sales of $2.5 billion of jets that are sold before the prototype has left the ground. They're planning to have that prototype in 2024 and start building in 2026. But that's a tremendous amount of airplane being built in some state 
And we want to be that state for all the rest of the manufacturers that want to do that. So that innovative spirit, that's something that we that we can't, t- can't even touch. But by looking at the industry and talking to folks, we started learning that there was a gap in the, in the industry and that they really had a hard time finding good locations to take a supersonic flight test activity and conduct it and have all those ground resources to do the flight test analysis with, like we have at Wichita State, at KU, at K-State, and places like that. That expertise is so unique here, we couldn't pass up the opportunity. Yeah, and so, Bob, I'd like to piggyback on something that you were talking about in terms of our university system. So it's easy to focus on one event, one win, the, the supersonic corridor, but you really need to think, you know, step back and take a perspective of the pipeline. So nothing has happened in a vacuum. The thing that happened before that under Bob's leadership and direction was some really outstanding partnering with our university systems. And I can recall two uh, Novembers ago being in Salina, having partnered with uh, Kansas State, and we were the first state in the nation to be authorized to do beyond line of sight flight for drones. So up until that time, I, I could be driving a drone, flying a drone in my office, and I didn't have to see the drone, but somebody had to be out there on the highway or somewhere to actually physically see it. This is all about taking advantage of our natural location, wide open skies. So we were permitted to fly drones, K-State, with no human watching that drone. And I can still remember driving up that day thinking, this might be what it felt like when Kitty Hawk flew, right? Because you don't know, is it a really big moment? Or maybe it's not a really big moment, but it might be. And how cool in your life to be in a spot when you're like, wow, this might be something. So I couldn't be prouder of the work that Bob and his group are doing, not just, not for KDOT, but for our state, and in conjunction with thinking about curriculum. And Bob, you may want to talk about, so this opportunity extends beyond the manufacturing piece, important as it is, but it's also about the pipeline. Bob, maybe you want to talk about the pipeline. I really do. I think that the pipeline is one of the most significant outcomes that will come from all of these efforts in parallel. So the supersonic piece, the unmanned systems, the drone, that whole family of new kinds of aircraft also are additive to our existing general aviation, which is big commercial jets, but also um, just normal business airplanes. To date, right now, we have built literally in the history of aviation, Kansas has built 73% of all the general aviation planes in the world. It, it is, I thought it was a marketing number, so we double-checked it, because honestly, it really is true, and I, it, that hit me as a, as a former military guy. As I traveled the world, I would see aircraft on the, on the ramps of, you know, Djibouti, Africa, and Paris, France, and all that, and as we looked at them, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that every single one of those airplanes has a stamp inside the door that says Wichita, Kansas. And that worldwide presence is bolstered by something very critical to us here in Kansas, and that's this workforce development. So all those people that build all those existing planes, A, need to keep doing that, and B, we need to make sure that we're viable and credible to expand that $2.8 million population and bring more people in that can contribute to the whole and transportation And get our network. young people energized about great opportunities in Kansas, right? That's 
We want to be people's forever home. And we need to have some great educational opportunities and then career opportunities. And where better than the aviation capital of the world? Absolutely right. And I tell you what, Lindsay Douglas and I had a neat conversation the other day with uh, several senior education leaders and with technical training folks that are across the state. We have a current talent leakage, is what we call it, of people that are moving to other states. And that's typical. Most do. That's a, that's a thing. We exchange with other states routinely. However, we're accelerating the industry in Kansas. So the aviation industry is growing. We need to keep them here and continue that cultural growth. Now, there's guys in Wichita that have two, three, four generations of family members that they call themselves beach crafters because they literally built Beechcraft airplanes. And, and that's their family tradition. And so we're working real hard right now with, with the deputy secretaries across KDOT to say, how do we work with other agencies and departments to say, let's get that pipeline robust so that manufacturers, pilots, aircraft mechanics, we need our young people to really see these are $60,000 a year jobs. These are worth having. And uh, if there's ever a place to grow bars, that, that's uh, Kansas is one of them. We talked a lot about the need for young people to be here and to have the skills um, for these new technologies. We're recording this podcast in early February. I'm not sure when it will come out with any luck. Maybe it will already be passed and signed. But the University Engineering Initiative Act is a 10-year investment program in our uh, engineering colleges here in Kansas. It's been a huge asset over the last nine years. It's in its last year, and we're working hard to get another 10-year extension of that past because a lot of synergy here between these things. Um, One other thing I want to make a comment on, then I want to ask you a question about some of the biggest challenges that you faced in putting this together and then to talk about some of the things that made Kansas uniquely suited some of our strengths to bring it in here but um, your comment and I'll confess I did a quite a bit of research and I did not realize it was self-built I assumed it was a federal uh, project you know dangled out there for people to compete for uh, that is, I think, going to strike a chord. Our listeners, of course, are all uh, people in the private consulting engineering industry, and they will all tell you the best way to get work is not to wait for it to come out in an RFQ, but to go partner with owners and to think ahead, you know, right. be forward thinking and put yourself in that position to create it and go get it. So I think our listeners will love the fact that Kansas took that approach here. So... It is not unusual to talk about innovation in the public sector or the private sector. What is unusual is to talk about the spirit spirit of being entrepreneurial in the public sector. And there Clearly. is room for that. Yeah, this is a great example. And I think that is totally going to resonate with the listeners to this podcast. That is awesome. Well, before I get bogged down in that, let me move on. Um, talk to me briefly about what I mentioned earlier. What were some of the challenges? Any project of this undertaking there have to be things that you know mountains to climb uh, and then conversely talk to me about why Kansas was in such a strong position to overcome those and and be the place absolutely I tell you what it's been at the same time that there were challenges it's also a success story because the people required to say yes were the Federal Aviation Administration and so we have the uh, 
director of the largest region in the FAA, is here in Kansas. His name's Joe Miniacci. And he and the guys at the Air Traffic Control Center there in uh, Kansas City, um, DJ Needham and, and some of those guys that all came together, they're the experts on airspace. 100% of the aviation industry is about personal credibility. And so going outside the lines, doing anything risky or unsafe will lose your entire profession. The aviation is just a pure profession, and it's a small community of, of people that know each other's reputation. So I think the biggest challenge was implementing this in a way that was not only met the objectives of having a flight test corridor, but also protected the strategic objectives of making sure the civilian population was completely safe in all ways, that it met the standards of the national airspace rules of the FAA, and, and just making sure that it really is something we can be proud of. And, you know, we call it the Washington Post test. Yeah. You know, don't do anything you don't want to be in the Washington Post, you know, and or whatever, pick your paper. But at the end of the day, um, we really worked hard to make sure that it really was a uh, super sound and exceptionally yeah. uh, well thought out plan. And so that's the number one And then some uh, of the strengths that plan that is uniquely well. suited, yeah. I assume. Obviously, we've talked so much about the aviation history and resources here, but you've also touched on uh, the universities and the partnership there and the workforce. Um, anything else you want to add that really stood out as a, as a, as a Absolutely. I don't call it a selling point because we were building it, but um, as, as a real synergy that allowed us to put it together? You bet. I don't believe that the FAA would have said yes to us without the talent pool that was involved. We really were fortunate, and, and I'm very, Secretary Lorenz has allowed me to be the director of aviation for the state of Kansas, to travel around the country and work with other directors of other states and things like that and sit on boards for the national associations and all that. And so many of them say, I just wish we had the talent that can speak aviation and live with a credible way uh, the whole lifestyle of how do we build aviation for the next generation. And so when I reached out to the, our own you know, stakeholders across the state and the secretary helped me do it, we brought people to the table to say, we have this idea. And currently it's, it's PowerPoint deep, but we need you to help us make it a reality and we want to do it right now. And do you know people just really joined hands and got enthusiastic about it and said, we can not only do this, we can do it better than other states are going to be able to do it. So let's just go all the way to fully actualized immediately because we've got the right people in the awesome. right place. Well, Let's uh, just pull I the know, trigger and get this done. You know, so much of this is about innovation, which I know has been a real point of focus uh, for KDOT here in recent years. And then we also have a brand new Ike program, um, funding transportation infrastructure that have a role in this as well, I presume. Absolutely, Absolutely Scott. It is, <laughs> I'm so thankful that we passed uh, the Eisenhower Legacy Transportation Program. Uh, last year, with four hours to spare, you know, before the legislature had to go home. Thank God we passed it, right? But it gives us the framework now. It gives us some really beautiful flexibility, whether you want to talk about the rolling program and project selection, or you want to talk about some of the new uh, set-aside programs, including innovative technology. And it's, the dollars are really, to be honest, small that go into innovative technology. 
but the cultural piece is is super important and so you know I, I talk a lot about don't start with no whether we're talking about a technology question from Bob or can we look at the supersonic corridor or a community comes to us with a problem and we want to we want to try to fund something like in Parsons their bridges in Parsons just redecking you know like let's look at cost share so the point is don't start with no start instead learn to self vet ideas and say well tell me more how about this how could this work what would be wrong with that and so not starting with no is just a really important frame for getting work done the partnership part of it super super important so those are all critical parts for the thing that we call transportation, which is really the connecting fiber for us across the state. It's the thing that people can come together around, and I couldn't be happier well, to have the perfect segue, because you mentioned the partnerships there at the end. My next question I was going to pose to you is, um, you know, who, and <laughs> I realize you run the risk of the sin of omission here when you start naming people. It's dangerous who you leave out, but so many partners that you've already talked about, the FAA, the universities, um, you know, as I did my research through, I ran upon names like the LaMasters Group Consulting, the General Aviation Manufacturers Association. I have no interface with these people at all. Uh, you know, Lockheed Martin, I mean, who who all had a, a central role in this and a place at the table that, that probably deserves a note here to, to help bring this together? Well, I'll tell you that the the culture Secretary Lorenz talked about of innovation just does not live without collaboration. And, and to really bring everybody to the table in a powerful way um, just took every segment of the industry. And, I, and, and I, those are my people that I work with, the, the National Business Aircraft Association and the General Aircraft Manufacturers Association and all those folks, but also the industry. As we sit down with other aircraft manufacturers from here and from around the country, that was the exciting part of it, is that while Kansas took a leadership role in creating the table to bring everyone to, people were more than willing to come from around the world to go participate in this and say, we're enthusiastic about it. NASA was part of it. There's a handful of folks. Our legislators on the Hill were part of it in Washington, D.C. Jerry Moran's staff was very energetic about getting involved and saying, what can we do to bring the national agencies to the table? How can we make this into a cohesive effort that all of us can really be proud of? But um, since then, it's actually spawned even more interest, and it's been really fun as the secretary and I engage other departments and uh, the Department of Education and the Board of Regents and people like that are coming to the table to say, what can we do to help? And, and you know, as I look forward into um, this new administration, you know, whether you're going to talk about Amtrak Joe, you know, or <laughs> reauthorization or the new USDOT secretary or, you know, uh, Representative Davids, who's now vice chair for the Transportation TNI Committee. We have worlds of opportunity here now in Kansas that, um, that I'm not sure existed a couple of years ago. So I couldn't be happier as we look to the future. We've got Ike as our, as our foundational program to build from, but we have lots of good opportunities. Um, when you said DC, that helped me remember. We have some, we have some nice uh, opportunities there. So what comes next? And obviously, again, our listeners here are the consulting engineering industry. Um, 
what comes next from a, a tangible perspective? You know, is there infrastructure that needs to be built or renovated? Uh, you know, are the the equipment itself that's going to be tested, is it already here? Does it need to be brought here? Uh, any idea, you know, is there consultation now with local units of government along that test flight? What's the, what's the action items and the execution that lies ahead now? It's really uh, accelerating so quickly that it's real exciting. So, um, but we have a saying that I've lived by for many, many years. This is slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So we're going to go nice and slow to make sure that all of the regulatory things are all lined up. The FAA will, and just to be very clear, as we as KDOT encourage this, this is an awful lot like, I'm going to get out of my lane with highways, but it's like building an interstate. We're not necessarily figuring out what's going to go on the interstate, but we are going to hand over to the federal agency that's in charge of it a beautifully set up track that allows them to now have an additional resource they wouldn't have had had we not created it with them. So uh, next steps, make sure we're in regulatory order with the manufacturers that are coming to us. And uh, Scott will tell you this is an exciting time for manufacturers to come out of the woodwork that all of these kind of airplanes that are five and ten years away are hidden away being built in some secret laboratory that we aren't aware of or have access to and yet when we unveil that we're about to have an ability to collect data in real time collect sound data from the ground so we can protect you know our, our own normal citizens that don't have any you know involvement with with the aviation um, we're going to be collecting data to make sure that it's okay and, and, and acceptable and appropriate and uh, so that's going to be happening in parallel. So we'll be working on setting up that infrastructure for the acoustic measuring to make sure that that sound is quiet. And uh, we'll also be working with uh, a couple of universities to f identify and airports that are across the state what support structures need to be available and what are available currently to support this kind of ongoing test operation. And something we don't ever talk about is that when you have a flight test from a from people from across the country, they're going to stay with us for a few weeks, and they're going to live in our hotels, and they're going to eat in our restaurants, and they're going to fall in love with wherever we bring them. So that's going to be part of the thing, too, is we want to prepare those communities to say, be advised, now's the time. We're bringing you a brand new set of folks. And Let's make sure they have a positive and too easy productive guess. That is the exact segue to what I was going to ask you next, which is economic impact to the state. Uh, I've heard you say that things are, you know, on the one hand, we're in extremely early stages. On the other hand, my goodness, there's so much activity. It's almost blinding already. Is it too soon to know, or do you have any way to measure perspective economic impact to the state? There's really hasn't been a study done. We wouldn't want to yeah. commit to a number because we really don't have any way to know. What I, what I know for sure is that if there's one company that has – 2.5 billion dollars of sales now before there's an airplane and they anticipate in the next six months going to 3.5 billion just on the prospect yeah. of it coming together it's enormous and so as we look at those kind of enormous opportunities do i really think that the three of us are going to have our own individual supersonic airplanes no i don't yeah. but i sure want to build every single job to make those planes 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, what um, forecasting ahead a little bit, you know, it's clear talking to the both of you that there is a culture here of forward-looking, forward-thinking, and where do we find synergies, and let's look at it with fresh eyes. With that in mind, is it possible to know what other opportunities might lie ahead for Kansas because of what's taking place here with this corridor? What other doors may open to us that would have remained closed but for this program? I would say going back to something we've already talked a bit about is this workforce development piece. So whether it's directly tied to the supersonic corridor or other sorts of things, I go back to creating jobs and opportunities and working with kids when they're in high school. I mean, Bob could talk to you about some of the high school and college programs we have going on related to drone activity. So um, I guess what I would say, Scott, is that it's, it, it's a more holistic sort of thing. It's from stem to stern, making sure we've got the culture and, um, and put the incentives in place and the educational opportunities. It starts with building credibility and, and really, truly building those opportunities like the Secretary talked about. If we're recognized nationally and globally as the place to do that, then you know, you know we're, we're probably not going to have a snow skiing school be intensely you know, competitive here. But we can build some airplanes. And, and better than that, we can build the people that will design, build, and operate them and maintain them. So truly, across the whole state, that infrastructure that we're working with right now, we really, right, and this is a good thing for your uh, engineering audience to know about. Right now in high school, we're all very familiar with auto shop. That's a common term. No, no. Now, it doesn't, doesn't even phase us that somebody's heading off to go do their class and learning how to maintain an, a, a, an automobile. Um, what we may not see is that that's actually what they call an education strand, and that is a pipeline to take a young person and make them a qualified, legitimate mechanic that has a very good job. Then when they come out of school, they walk straight into it, mostly already trained. We're working real hard across the state. We think that some of the things that will come out of ideas like this is to spawn an entirely new strand of workforce development that actually allows, we are actually struggling in across all of aviation as an industry to produce enough pilots and to produce enough uh, aircraft manufacturing, skilled workers, and to produce people that can maintain aircraft. I have friends that own uh, maintenance uh, shops for aircraft that are backlogged six months purely because they don't have someone they can hire and bring in and start working on that uh, aircraft that's, that's already certified. So I think those kind of opportunities yeah. will be engaging at the national level to say, let us be that source for you. And, and whether you stay in Kansas or not, we would love for you to get your training here and maybe have those major corporations start saying, you know, why, why aren't we a United Airlines pipeline for all of their pilots? and that they just automatically come through Kansas University. Well, it's, it's an awfully exciting program, I have to tell you, just reading you know, the announcements and the data that came out in the newspapers and the press releases. Very exciting as a Kansan and somebody that you know, my client base is so involved in the infrastructure here. But talking to the two of you, it's easier to get even more excited because it's clear uh, how enthusiastic you are about it and what you think it could mean for Kansas and the short and the long term. Uh, any last comments that either one of you would like to add about this before we sign off? 
I guess I just um, offer to your membership. We obviously we love talking about this kind of stuff. We love partnering, collaboration, innovation. If you have ideas for how we can expand our program, we're all ears. So bring us your ideas. Well, I hope that that happens in epic volume because that would mean two things. One, it would mean a continuation of the great partnership between the private consulting engineering industry and KDOT. And two, it would mean that I've actually got listeners that stay with us for the balance of the podcast and heard your message. So that would be a win-win if it happened. Well, to (laughs) Secretary Lorenz and Bob Brock, Director of Aviation, here at KDOT, thanks so much for making time to share this story with us. Our folks will be excited to hear it. Um, thanks for the hard work you're putting in on the program, and thanks for making time to talk to us. All right, listeners, thanks for tuning in to the QBS Express. We'll catch you the next time on the ACEC Kansas podcast.